Welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Amy from Amy Natalie Co., spiritual teacher, mindset coach, and speaker. I'm here to remind you how to tap into your feminine frequency to elevate your relationships, attract more money, and feel confident in your body. Each week, I'll be sharing wisdom from guest experts and guided meditations, along with my favorite spiritual mindset techniques so that you can access abundance, love, and manifest a life that is in alignment with your soul's true desires. Let's do this, sister. Hello, and welcome back to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I am so grateful to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for pressing play. Welcome to our new listeners, and welcome back to my community. I am excited to bring you a very powerful conversation today with Jill, and we are about to talk all about divorce and really thriving after divorce, which is really something that many people don't even think about that it's possible. I know that divorce has such a negative connotation, a lot of shame and guilt and um, frustration and anger can come from this conversation around divorce but you know even if it's not divorce even if you're going through a breakup this conversation could be really really powerful for you and if you're someone who has never been through a divorce before then I invite you to share this podcast episode with someone who you think could really benefit from this so I'll share a little introduction about Jill and then we will dive into our episode for today Jill is a divorce coach and a registered dietitian who coaches women through divorce in the healthiest, happiest way possible. She works with women to rebuild their confidence, reclaim their independence, and create their dream life after divorce. Jill own, Jill's own journey through divorce and disordered eating opened her eyes to the support women need in such a challenging time, and I'm so grateful that Jill is doing this work. You'll also hear that she has a um, journal prompt or a journal template that you can get, which is going to be in the show notes of this episode, and that will support you in moving through some challenging times, and it's a great place to begin. So um, if you enjoy this episode and find something to be meaningful for you, please make sure to head on over to iTunes to leave a five-star rating and a review. Um, that'll help this podcast get into more ears of women around the world and really share the feminine frequency with others. And in this specific episode, you know, I really loved how Jill talked about using this opportunity. If you are someone who's gone through a divorce and seeing it as a gift, seeing it as an opportunity, as a new beginning and to start fresh. And I believe that we can start fresh anytime in our lives. So enjoy the episode and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Jill. Welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I am really excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. My audience who have been listening to me for a while, whoever's here and has been following, know that I have my own journey with divorce. And I think that diving into it more in depth and really learning about how you support women going through their own process of divorce. You know that every um, breakup, every divorce, every uncoupling is different. So, and I know every woman is different. So I'm really excited to kind of like have your message 
be out in the world in this way and for women to get to learn from you today. Thank you so much. And I appreciate having your platform to do that because I feel like this is such an important conversation to have and it's not had enough. There's a lot of negative stigma around it. So I think the more we can kind of talk about these tougher topics, the more light we can bring to them and maybe reduce kind of the heaviness around them. So I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey of really coming to this place. I know that you're a dietitian and also that now you support women in this way. And so I'd imagine that you've had your own personal journey through this experience. So anything about your story that you want to share of what got you to doing this work? It's so interesting because I had such a hard time. You know when something's pulling at you and you know you need to make a transition, but you're so nervous to do it. So as you mentioned, I'm a registered dietitian and a lot of my work has been around a lot of therapeutic counseling for disordered eating, emotional eating, not eating disorders, but disordered eating, emotional eating. And when I really sat back and looked at the crux of a lot of these women's issues, it was coming from relationship stuff and divorce stuff. And they were trying to really fix the external and developing really unhealthy habits because they were struggling with all the emotional pieces in their life around divorce, around relationship stuff. I too have had my own disordered eating past. I too have been divorced. And it was like this aha moment of my world's colliding. And that's a piece of my nutrition world that I love is the, the digging into the life stuff. Like what's driving those behaviors? Like truthfully, I could care less about telling you to eat broccoli. Like I like the deeper stuff. And it was just this beautiful, amazing aha moment. Like this is what I'm meant to do. And I really, for my own divorce journey, struggled so much through that because I didn't have a roadmap for it. I didn't have support for it. I had a lot of friends that just kind of bailed out on me and I felt very alone in that journey. And I was like, I want to do this. Like, I want to help women transition through this in the healthiest, happiest way possible to rebuild themselves, to rebuild their life. And the, and the food stuff seeps into that because we look to change our external when we're dealing with so much internal stuff. So it was like a beautiful colliding of my world. And I like honestly could not be happier. I'm so passionate about this work and lit up by it. And it's really, really exciting to finally like get to this place. Because I struggled for a long time. I was like, well, you're a dietitian. You're a diet. And I stayed <clears throat> identifying with that title, which I think is interesting because I think when you get divorced, it's hard to let go of that identity as a wife. So I had this little identity crisis. But that's my journey to get here. And I'm, I love what I'm doing. Mm, thank you for listening to that calling. I know that there's a lot that goes into that and really actually claiming your gifts and really listening to your truth. And I love that you share that you had that pull and it wasn't just immediately that you're like, okay, I'm doing it. And Oh, it took a lot of coaching to get there. I was mm-hmm. very scared. So mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. And I also want to share that it's okay to reinvent yourself. Like it's okay to, and we, we get to reinvent ourselves because we're ever evolving beings and we're not meant to be the same person doing the same thing all the time, unless it really still lights up your soul. And for some people, that's one thing in their whole life or their whole career. And for other people, it's actually like, again, taking their internal world, what's going on for them and using that to share their gifts in a new way. So I'm really excited that you're kind of like merging these together. And I too came from the nutrition world. I wasn't a dietitian, but went through kind of the eating psychology world and 
I love, it's so important what you shared about how, you know, the food is just a symptom of the other stuff that's going on in your world, especially when it comes to eating disorder, eating disorders or emotional eating. Like it's not about the food. It's about something so much deeper than that. Ever. It's really never about the food. Mm -hmm. And I just found that like that to me is more important helping women navigate that because I'm always big on, I want, I want to change your life for the long haul, like not a quick fix. And that's why I don't like dieting. I don't think dieting works, but it's really about doing that deeper inner work. So you become the best version of yourself. So you're not looking back and it's, you know, another yo-yo diet, or you're still not like really tapping into what's emotionally going on. So it's that underlying stuff I talk about all the time. And like, until you fix that underlying stuff, like what you see on the outside is not, you're not going to feel happy in that. And it's really interesting. I have seen so many times over and over again, when you do the internal work, it's like the bonus is the external actually changes and you're not even trying. And people are like, Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you this. So it's, it's important. That work is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for a lot of people, divorce can actually feel like their world is crumbling. Like it's the end of the world. Like nothing's ever going to be the same. And there's a lot of pain that can come through that experience. And I know one of your teachings is about seeing divorce as a gift and a new beginning. So walk me through that. What, what do most people, what do you see how most women's mindsets around divorce, like what is present for them and what would the alternative shift be if they were to shift into seeing it as a new opportunity for a new beginning? I think you know, it's, and I, it's so hard to see that when you're in it. And so like, even when now I'm on this side of it and there's always challenges, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here preaching that life is beautiful and wonderful every single day, but I am on the other side of the hardest part of it. And I feel like I wish I had that messaging of like, this can be a beautiful gift to you. You get to recreate your life in the best way possible. I feel like if I was delivered that in the crux of the shit of it, I'd be like, you have no idea what you're talking about. My life is in the shitter. I don't feel good. Um, but that is a lot of the mindset. My life is over. What I had dreamed of is done. What I thought my life would look like is gone. Right. So I, and I, I find a lot that what is really being mourned is a life you thought you would have versus the actual marriage or person. So one, I have a five-step method that I go through with my clients. And one of the first steps is taking a realistic look at the marriage. What went wrong? What was going on there? Why you are where you are now? How did you show up? And maybe what could have been different there? And really gaining the learning lessons out of that to move forward. So if, you're, if you are mourning like you're what you thought you should be, we need to really look at what it actually was. And I think when you have a very realistic view of like what really transpired there, you're able to then be very open to the messaging of, wow, I get to recreate a life that I want and I can make for myself and not mourn what I thought it should like, so look like. So I think it's really taking a real hard look at what it actually was, the reality of it. Because we do get stuck in the what ifs, right? I don't know if this happened to you, but I know for me, my marriage needed to be done. And when I was going through my divorce journey, I would remember snippets that were good and recreate this beautiful fantasy that I was losing. Or I would think about, but what I wanted was this amazing family unit that had traditions and holidays and like, but that wasn't what your marriage was. 
So if you mm -hmm. stayed in that, you weren't even going to have that life that you're mourning. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really recognizing what you, what it was, what was realistic, what happened. And then I think that really opens up and gives you that shift to look, to be able to say, wow, I can make my life look like this. I now have this beautiful opportunity to create the life I'm actually fantasizing about. Mm. Yeah. I remember when I was going through my divorce, my, <laughs> my therapist had me write down to the life coach too. And she had me write down like, what are the things that like are not working for me in the relationship? Because she said that when you look back, you're going to look back and only think about what are the things that you're going to miss and the things that, you know, are working. And, um, it, it was so powerful and so helpful that she told me that because she knew, she knew forward thinking what happens cause she's seen it. And so I think that, that is such an important piece of really looking at what was the reality versus the fantasy of what, what it was going to be. I think that's such a great starting point. And I think that also requires us to look at taking ownership. So, you know, divorce can be messy. There can be so many fingers pointed. It can be like, oh, they did this. But in my experience, like relationships take two people. And it's usually, there are circumstances where there is like, you know, someone who's definitely not owning their end of the bargain. And like, there's definitely people who are not um, showing up honestly with respect and love. And like there, there are, there are exceptions to this is what I'm trying to share, but it takes two people. And when we're able to look at, okay, what role did I play instead of pointing the finger and being like, I blame that person. And there's no, it's much harder to heal and move on when you feel like it was always the other person's fault or they did something to you or whatever, like being in the, I guess you can say the victim mindset of being like, why is this happening to me? Like, this doesn't make sense. Well, and there's so much anger that comes with that, the pointing the finger and it's all your fault and look at what you did to me. And I, to be quite honest, that's what I did. Although I will say, I'm, I was married to a pathological liar. So I don't know what piece of that I can own. Maybe I could have been easier to talk to or not as reactive. But I think it's really important to take ownership in the process of healing because I think we always will all want to be evolving and be the best version or better version of ourselves. And I, don't, I, I think if we can't own the pieces that need some work on and not recognize those, it's hard to continue to evolve and take ownership of that is actually so important in, in your own healing. And that's why I always talk about with my clients, how did you show up and how could you have showed up differently maybe? And what role did you play in really examining their part in the marriage ending or not working out? Because I think until you recognize and own that, it's going to be hard to heal and hard to continue to like be the better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's say that you do, or, you know, someone who's listening has, was in a marriage where someone was cheating or lying and they're just like, how could this possibly happen? Like this betrayal piece and like the, the, what are like the next steps in that of them taking ownership of their experience? So for you, what do you feel in, like when you looked back and you looked and was like, okay, this was what was working. This was not. Um, if you're open to sharing, I'd love to hear about like, what are some of the things that you felt you needed to work on coming out of that marriage in relationship? Um, I think how I reacted to things, I think I probably flew off the handle a little bit too much. And I think I wasn't maybe as understanding as I could have been, or maybe I wasn't showing up as the best 
listener. Maybe I wasn't showing up in an empathetic way or an understanding way. Um, I'm trying really hard here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I was very reactive. I was very reactive because I was coming from a place of being hurt by the things that were being done. So I was coming across angry. Mm-hmm. And I think that would shut my ex down. And so instead of wanting to talk to me and work things out in terms of, you know, what was coming up, why was he struggling with ther- certain things? Why was he lying about certain things? I think I probably didn't allow him the space to talk to me in a way that he felt uh, vulnerable and comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I probably, I have worked on that for myself, but I think that's a big part of my role in that. And I think knowing that and being able to say that allows me to grow in that area for whatever relationship comes next. Because I do want to show up as a better version of myself in the next relationship. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I can definitely, um, from, you know, my own journey, it was actually on the other side of, I didn't feel safe to share what was going on for me with my partner because either he would want to fix it or he would get offended by it and feel like it was threatening when really I was wanting to be open and wanting connection and trying to work through it. And so I I see both sides of that. And I can also see how challenging that is, especially when it's something that maybe is not super fun to look at. And I think that's one of the deepest parts of conscious partnership that I see when we start to look at the realms of actually having open, transparent conversations that aren't always easy is that both people are willing to create the space to not be reactive or to not let not come from the place of the wounded place of like fear of getting hurt, but more being understanding of like, we're two humans together trying to figure this whole thing out. And, and we're both bringing so much into the relationship from past relationships even. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing about um, the areas. And I think that, you know, someone can maybe look at that where they, where were they being reactive or where were they not speaking their truth because they didn't feel like they had a safe space where they could share. And just, there's so many areas that we can take ownership and that really allows us to show up in the next relationship that we choose to engage in as, um, as a, better human and as a better partner. So Absolutely. I know you talk a lot about like dating after divorce, which I know is a sensitive topic. And I know that many people, you know, still, even if their marriage doesn't work out, they still want to be in relationship and partnership. Yeah. yeah. So what does that look like? I've heard women being like, well, how do I get back out there? And maybe it's an age thing, or maybe they just don't feel confident because of what happened in their marriage. So what does that look like for to explore dating after divorce? I think it's, I mean, dating in general, I think is very challenging. Um, And I think coming out of a divorce, there's such vulnerability there and there's a a loneliness that I think women and myself included, I did this and I work with women a lot to get to a place where they're ready to date because I think it happens way too quick. And so many women are looking to fill that void, right? Like you, you have identified as a couple, as a part of a unit for so long, and now you're not, and that's a comfort for you. So you're looking to fill that void and that loneliness. Like it's very lonely when you get divorced for numerous reasons. You don't have your significant other anymore. If you're a mom, you're not having your kids every day anymore. Friends we talked about betrayal at one point, like betray you and kind of drop you. So there's so much loneliness. And so there's 
there's a void that's trying to be filled that I think we women, some women, not all, end up dating way too soon. So now you're a place of vulnerability. You're a place of like almost a little bit of desperate to fill this void because you're so hurt that you undervalue yourself and you put up with things that you would never put up with. You get treated in a way that you know you don't deserve and you make things or relationships more significant than they actually are because you really want them to be. And I did this myself. I mean, I should have not started dating as soon as I did, but I felt all those things. I felt that void. I wanted, I wanted somebody else to make me feel better because I was hurting so bad and I did it totally backwards. And I think it's so important as women coming out of a divorce is to heal ourselves first and to get to a place where we feel confident and secure and that we have awareness around who we want as our next partner and not like, you know, everything, characteristics, traits, but how do you want to feel about this person? How do you want them to feel about you? How do you want to be treated? What do you want the dynamic to look like? Really exploring and taking the time to heal and be very clear on what you want next in that relationship and how you want to show up. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really important to get to that place before you start dating because then dating can be fun because you're confident and you don't have this neediness to fill a void. You feel confident, you're clear on what you want and how you want to be. And so dating can be fun. You can, like, you can go grab drinks and have a great time because there's not this desperation like this has got to be the guy. No, you can go have a few drinks if it's fun and you want to go out again. Great. If it's not, okay, that's okay too. But I don't think we can get to that place until we do all that work beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I talk a lot in my coaching practice around coming from a place of wholeness instead of coming from a place of needing someone else to fill a need for you or to fill a gap that's missing. And that can that gets to happen after some personal healing. And I think everyone's on their own timeline. So I definitely don't feel like you said the same. It doesn't apply to everyone. And, you know, depending on where you're at in your journey, there is no, okay, after month four, after a year, you should be ready. And one of the things I see women doing, and I'm curious to know if you see this too, is like, beating themselves up for like, I can't believe I still feel upset over this, or I can't believe that I'm still um, experiencing grief or sadness or anger. Why can't I just let this go? And I feel like that's so harmful to like your, your heart and your soul that's grieving and that's going through this huge identity shift and has a lot of uncertainty to then make yourself wrong for feeling that way. It can be so painful. I think that's even more painful than the actual feeling itself. So do you see that? A lot, so much. Like it's been this many years. It's been this long. It's been and how am I not over it yet? Why do I still feel so sad? Why do I still feel upset? I always say there's absolutely no timeline to this. And there's no, like, there's no single like steps that decide like, okay, by month three, you should be here in your journey. And by month four, like everybody's process journey is different. What I would say to that is you want to be doing the work. And whether that work takes three years or it takes one year, you want to do the work where you're focusing on yourself and doing things to heal yourself. And then it doesn't matter how long that process takes. What I hate to see is women that are still hurting and grieving, but doing nothing about it and not getting the help or support that they need to move through that. So I think I always talk about pain with progress, right? Like you're going to be in pain, but what progress are you making to start to lessen that pain? And there's no timeline on that, but I think, I think you know, it's important to see 
women, and this is why I'm so passionate about this, not stay stuck in all the negativity of it longer than they need to. Mm-hmm. Staying stuck is very different than healing, mm-hmm. I yeah. think. Yeah, well, it's like, are you maintaining the pain or are you like just nursing the pain or are you actually being an active participant in your healing journey? Completely different. And that applies to physical pain, applies to emotional pain. Like it is that. And and it, I think also sometimes in the beginning, like you said, there might be a few months where you're in your shit and you fall into old patterns or you fall into bad habits and you just don't take care of yourself and you're not ready to do the work. And I trust that everyone, sometimes we get tired of being in our own shit for so long that we are like, okay, I can't go on like this anymore. I get to make a change. That's what happened to me. I got Mm -hmm. tired of my own shit. I Mm -hmm. got tired of being like the victim. I got tired of being like, I'm divorced and a single mom. I'm like, okay enough of this. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I'm doing because I did stay stuck. I wasn't doing the healing with uh, progress. I was staying stuck and I was staying stuck in really negative emotions. And I think, you know, it goes back to this, to what we were talking about, about owning your part of this stuff is I pointed the finger for so long that wasn't getting me anywhere. He's not changing. He's the same person today that he was five years ago. And all I was doing was circling in these negative emotions and staying stuck. And I, I don't want any woman to do that. It's so painful and nobody deserves that. And, and it's, this is part of the reason why I'm so passionate about supporting women through this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit, the spiraling and the attaching on to the old story and what it could have been and what you could have done differently or what, what this person did to you. You know, I find that a lot of women get stuck in that spiral and I'm curious to know if you have any tools or recommendations when someone's in that place and just like spinning their wheels, what's something that can support them in getting out of that spiral? I will, I know we talk, I think journaling is like the most impactful tools ever. I have my own journaling format that I have used for myself and I have my clients use as well. And I think it, it helps you stay grounded. I'm, I'm a big person on like, um, gratitude and like using gratitude as a way to ground you. So when we're spiraling, we're thinking about all the external stuff and a lot of the stuff that we can't change and we're focusing outward. And so when you do practices of gratitude, you can really look at the things that right now in your life you can be grateful for. And I always say it can be the smallest thing as like the cup of coffee in your hand or the biggest thing is like I have a roof over my head. So I think in, in being able to be grounded in gratitude, you start to like look inward and recognize all the good things around you, which can be really difficult because when you're going through divorce, you are spinning. Everything feels awful. Everything feels like it sucks. Every, everything feels like it's never going to be better. And so you spiral in that. But if you can come back and, and, and be grateful for what is going on, and that takes work too. I have people start with like, do one to three things, do one thing. And if it's the blanket over your legs that morning, be grateful for that. And you start to really look at like, wait, it's not all bad. And I have this great, these things to be grateful. And this is good in my life. And it just starts to like compile on one another. And you start to see like the good in things and you can move away from that spiraling. And that's when you really can open up and do some really great work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is definitely one of my favorite tools. And I think that people underestimate gratitude or they're like, oh, just think positive. And when you're in that space, there's so much resistance to it because there's so much momentum going in the other direction of, 
oh, like all of this is not working. And it, the mind almost wants, sometimes we want to stay stuck in that identity of the victim because we get attention from it uh, or because it just feels comfortable and safe because our mind knows that if we see the good stuff, if we are grateful, then it means that we're going to move forward and grow and evolve and all of that. And so the primal part of our brain that wants to keep us safe and keep us from taking risks or from growing, um, it's very much a survival piece, but it sometimes doesn't want to be positive. And it's like, well, I'm just going to sit in my shit for a little bit longer. And that's okay too. I mean, none of this happens overnight, yeah. right? And so it, I always say change in the trajectory. We're not sitting here like, okay, and start to rebuild this beautiful life after divorce. Like, no, you're going to take a step back. You're going to take three steps forward, but there's, that's part of all of this process. And I think if you can recognize that, sometimes I feel like, well, I was feeling so good, but then I felt like shit the next day. I'm like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. They get disappointed in themselves. Like they're failing this like healing journey because they were doing great. And all of a sudden they like feel like shit. I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. Like this is all part of the, the process. Sometimes I think with, with it really, you sitting in your shit, like you don't want to see that things can be better. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, and it's like our own mechanism to protect ourselves, keep us safe and keep us in what we're comfortable in. But you also need to take a really hard look at what, what your comfort zone is. Cause how comfortable is that really? Mm-hmm. right? People get comfortable in feeling shitty. People get comfortable in being the victim because it's what they know. It's what they're used to. It's what they're accustomed to. And so you don't want to shift out of your comfort zone, but really how comfortable is that when you really mm-hmm. examine what is comfortable? Like, do you really want to stay there? Does that actually feel comfortable to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's familiar, but it's not comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful question and something to take a look at for sure. Um, That could be a good journaling prompt too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that there's a lot of conversation, at least from what I've experienced, whether it's divorce or just dating around the conversation about age, like, oh, well now I'm this age and I'm never going to find someone or I'm never going to be in a relationship or what's wrong with me that I'm this age and I, I can't be in a partnership. So Do you have any thoughts on some mindset shifts around that or even just kind of like a reframe of, of how that is, is maybe not the only factor when it comes to dating? I just had a similar conversation about this and I was told that my, my delivery was very harsh on it. Um, (laughs) I think it's examining, like if, if you are dating and you feel like it's not, nothing's kind of coming from that or transpiring, it's again, it's like, doing like take the look in the mirror like what are you doing that might be turning people off or not really like connecting with people are you really actually open to meeting somebody or do you think you are and you think you want to and you're actually coming to the table very closed off and not um opening up i think around the age thing people meet in their 60s people meet in their 70s i don't think it's I have a really good friend of mine that's, she's 45 and she's like resigned to, well, you still have some time. I'm a little bit younger than her, not much, but she's like, you still have a chance. Why? Why? You can meet somebody if you really want to. And I think it's putting yourself out there. Dating's not easy. And I think people give up because they're like, well, that's it. Like I tried. It sucks. 
But if you really, really want it, and I'm really big on manifesting stuff. So like if you really want something, picture it, envision it, make it tangible to you. Because I think people think like, oh, it's never going to happen. You, can, you have to create it. You have to make it happen. And if you really want it to happen, it will. And I also think it becomes really important to be comfortable alone and happy in your life. So to get to this place, like if I meet somebody that would be great and wonderful because I do want that, should I not, I'm going to be happy and fulfilled either way. And I think when you can get to that space, it's really interesting because it opens up like this opportunity to meet someone. You ever notice like when you get to a place, you're like, I'm good. I'm happy. If I meet somebody or not, I'm okay. And then a month later you meet like the love of your life. Like I see it all the time. So I think it's getting, really getting to a place honestly and authentically where you're happy in your life with or without somebody and you're fulfilled in your life. And, and that partner is only going to add more to what you already have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see so many people saying, you know, well, all these other areas of my life are great, but I'm still single. And I think there's a really powerful practice of being present with where you are and being grateful for where you are and actually being content and happy where you are and holding the vision for having the partnership that you desire. And I think that in itself, in the making it that there's something wrong with you, or even just feeling like, you're, you know, this part of my life isn't complete. It, it, I, I know that it's challenging and it's definitely not an easy practice, but it's like, okay, well, how can I be really happy if I, that's what I really, really want, but putting so much pressure on that thing can often, often be what pushes it away. So mm-hmm. I love that you said when you come to that place of happiness with your life and that this person is going to be a bonus, when you release the attachment to it, when you release the hold on it and the trying to control it, that's when you're able to receive it. Absolutely. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share with any women who have either recently gotten divorced or who have been divorced for a few years and they still feel like they're, they're struggling? Are there any tools or resources that you want to provide for them today? Um, I, I know we talked about journaling, but I put together um, an amazing journaling format that I love that is, has been so impactful for me. I wish I had this. And over time, it just kind of came together because it's unique to what I do and, and where what I think is important in your journaling practice. And I wish that I had this when I was going through my divorce. Um, but yeah, I have a journaling format where it's, I talk about gratitude. So it's one to three things that you're grateful for, really getting to ground, ground yourself in what is good in your life. Because when you're going through a divorce, all you see a lot of the time is you see negative and what's wrong or what's not working or where you're hurting. So one to three things that you're grateful for, um, things that you like about yourself, I think is really important. We, we lose sight of who we are and right, we're trying to re-identify with this person outside of a marriage and like what what is it about you that you love like characteristic traits you're loyal you're hardworking. you're a good mom you're funny and starting to list those out and to really start to identify like these amazing traits about yourself then i love like brain dumping like just let it flow and then affirmation work so mm-hmm. i have my journal in my and if your listeners are well they're so welcome to it it's in the link of my bio on instagram right now it's such an impactful tool because it covers a lot of the bases of the things that need to be worked on. And I think, some, I think it's a great starting point 
if you're not ready to reach out for the help. Cause I think sometimes as women, we feel stuck or so hurt that like, we don't ask for help right away. And we like trying to get through this on our own. So if you're in that place, I think the journaling is, is a really great place to start because you're just doing that on your, your own, but it's very, it can be a very impactful process and opens up this idea that there is possibility for this beautiful, amazing life after divorce. Mm, yeah. Thank you for sharing that resource. And we'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And then um, your Instagram will also be linked in the show notes, but if they want to find you on Instagram, what's your handle? It's uh, Jill, Jill.Galotta, G-U-L-O-T-T-A. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, I so appreciate you being here. I know that this message is going to be really powerful for women who are going through their own divorce journey. And if you're listening to this, I guess I could have said this at the beginning and you're not going through a divorce. Um, definitely. If you have anyone that you think that this would be supportive to share with, I know that this is a common topic and it kind of can be something that people don't really know how to support their friends and family. So sometimes just sending a resource like this could be really supportive. So thanks again, Jill, and we'll send everyone over to your Instagram page. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, and that's a wrap for our episode today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and head on over to iTunes to leave a five-star rating and a review. When you subscribe to this podcast, you will get notified every time a new episode is available. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have a beautiful day. 